the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. Now, delighted for the Culture Club today, we are joined by the acclaimed DJ and artist, there's a combination, Mo Kelly. Mo, thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word in Today FM. Before I talk to you about your work as a DJ, as a way into discussing the music you like, tell me a little bit about your artistic work and also the fact that you're taking part in this year's Incognito Online Art Cell. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, I've I've started off, I suppose the art came before the DJing because I was in art college when I started DJing. So art has kind of always been my first love and particularly painting, fine art painting. So I've been doing that kind of for the last, oh God, I suppose 20, 25, or else since I was a kid, really, I've been painting since I was really, really small. But um, yeah, I've been I've been painting away and I'm involved again this year. This is actually my fifth year um, it being involved with the Incognito Art Exhibition, which is, uh, I think, as you know, I think there's about a thousand artists this year. Um, and it's it's just it's a really unique idea because it's basically they're, they're all postcard art. They're all exactly sold for the same price and you don't know who the art is by until you buy it. So it's actually it's not signed on the front. You sign as the artist, you sign on the back. So it's just it's just a really great idea. And I mean, you could be getting art obviously worth, you know, 10 times the amount you pay for it or even more. And so it's just a really exciting project to be involved with. It's a really clever idea. It is. And it's all for the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation, which does terrific work in helping families where they have need in-home nursing care for very, very sick children. It's been a terrific success in recent years. But I wonder if people go looking at the art and there's going to be all sorts of different rock stars who turn to it and there are brilliant artists like yourself. But do you think would they be able to identify what you've done or do you try and do something a little bit different, perhaps to keep people guessing? Well, you know, that's the thing. I think there's a certain element of that. I mean, I think once you know that you're in an exhibition with world famous artists and and um, and rock stars and, you know, just like amazing talent, you really want to up your game. So from my personal perspective as an artist, when you're sent the postcards, you're really trying to get something that's going to you know, be and it's quite a challenge as well because I'm used to working really, really big. Most of my paintings would be kind of on the larger scale. So this is a smaller scale. It's a completely different um kind of it's it's a different sub it can be kind of change the subject matter a little bit. So I think you get really interesting art from all the from all the artists. Um and sometimes I mean I myself as I try to guess who the artists are and I think, you know, you think you know um, and sometimes you're pleasantly surprised and then other times it's, you know, you just you've completely chosen somebody completely different. But the great thing about it is that as an art buyer, you're buying what you like. And that's the most important thing. It kind of takes away the the pressure, I suppose, maybe of a name or you're actually just buying kind of with your heart and you're buying the, the work that you really want to have in your home. So it's it's win win. And then then afterwards you get to find out who actually who actually painted it, you know, so it's a really it's a really clever idea. So give us a little hint, so because I think it's fair to say that you're very well known for cityscapes. You're also very well known for doing work set at dusk. True. Yeah, I think possibly nighttime is a major influence because, you know, the old adage, write what you know, I think it was kind of paint what you know. Um, obviously being active at night and being, you know, DJing and being kind of basically out all night. Um, it absolutely influenced my work. Um, so, yeah, I'm still kind of I'm still really into that. I use a lot of kind of charcoals and um, sort of semi iridescent paint and gold leaf and pigmented paints and things like that. And it gives a kind of a nice sort of shimmery nighttime kind of, you know, that sort of magical time as well as twilight hour. 
Uh, so I like to kind of include that. So yeah, they would be included. There'd always be maybe, I suppose, uh, maybe a sort of a circular motif or, uh, you know, something like that, it, it, you know, still involved in, in the postcard art as well and the incognito stuff. So yeah, okay, I well. think... I, I think people can spot artists like if they know the artist I think they'll definitely um they'll definitely be able to spot them well the incognito sale it starts uh Thursday April 22nd at 10 a.m incognito.ie is where the bids could be made and there's every year there's some terrific stuff there and even if maybe you end up buying something that's not by somebody well known it can still be absolutely terrific piece of art with the money going to a very very good cause Yes, exactly, exactly. And I mean, you can go online now that all the art is up on the website at the moment on incognito.ie and you can go and, and you can set up an account and you can actually pick out favourites so that you kind of know what you, when it comes to the auction, you have your, your pieces already picked out because there's there's just lots of art. So it's it's even it's even nice just to be able to go through it and just view all the things, view all the pieces. Okay, that's something I'm definitely going to do this week. Anyway, let's go to your choices for Culture Club. Uh, Mo, we always ask people uh, for the first single you ever bought. You've got an absolutely cracking one. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, this is technically the first single that I remember being bought for me. I thought, you know, specifically it was my my single. Um, and it was Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick by Ian Jury and the Blockheads. Um, and I just remember going mental, like there's an instrumental breakdown in that. And I remember as a kid just like going crazy and dancing around. <laughs> I, could really, I mean, I always loved music, but that was my, you know, that was my, my jam. <laughs> That's a great track. Let's hear a little bit of it. In the deserts of Sudan And the gardens of Japan From Milan Every woman, every man Hit me with your rhythm stick Hit me, hit me Shitada, ich liebe dich Hit me, hit me, hit me Hit me with your rhythm stick Hit me slowly, hit me quick Hit me, hit me, hit me There's so much going on in that, Mo, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your DJing. What got you into DJing and what sort of stuff do you play and for who? Um, well, I, well, I was kind of always just really, really obsessed with music um, in general. I mean, even sort of classical music as a young kid. And then obviously growing up um, listening to my brothers and sisters music, like they were into sort of like Talking Heads and Devo and all the, like I just always loved music. I was just it was just always it always kind of really just appealed to me and kind of transported me, I suppose. Um, but I started I went to art college and I started kind of putting together music for people's exhibitions and kind of fashion shows and things like that. So that was kind of my first, I suppose, DJing per se, like actually kind of curating music for a specific thing. Um, and I really loved that. And then then friends of mine then kind of fast forward um, 
like friends of mine were kind of DJs and I was friends with them, but I was just always really kind of the nerd. Like I just collected all the music, but I never thought I'd kind of want to actually do the kind of DJ bit. Um, And then one of my friends just literally booked me for a gig. It was three months away. And he said, "Okay, you're booked for this gig and just get a set together. You know, like if it kind of if you don't sort of I didn't have an actual deadline to do it to, I probably never would have done it. So the gig ended up being a really good gig. And I was offered another gig immediately uh, kind of after it. And then that was it. That was kind of, you know, it was delighted with myself and I absolutely loved it. But I don't know that I would have necessarily taken, you know, pushed myself to do it on my own kind of thing. So it was it was great to have that support. And you do, sorry, you do that curating, don't you, for things like fashion shows and then a lot of DJing for things like after show parties for some of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I used to back in the day when you could still gig. My God, gigs seem like, oh, they seem so far away. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it was great. I, like fashion shows, again, would be very specific to the brand. So again, you are, you know, putting together music and you can take music from, from you know, all different types of music and different kinds of influences of music. But I suppose I'd probably be more well known then for kind of more dance music. It kind of evolved into the sort of dance music genre. Um, and that's what I would be kind of known for now, I suppose, more of a kind of a club DJ. Um, so like kind of house and electro and, you know, kind of the dance music realm, I guess. But uh, but as I say, I'm a fan yes. of, of pretty much all music. Yeah, because you haven't gone there for the choices that you've made for us. For no, example, tell no. us about the favourite album that you've selected. Yeah, because, and I think it was because the specifics, I'm such a music nerd, because the specifics of the question were best album. And to really kind of think about albums, I, I kind, of, kind of trying to break it down and trying to figure out, you know, oh, what's my favourite album? There's so many. But I think this album in particular was the first album that I chose for myself. So it wasn't... It wasn't sort of attached to my brothers and sisters or any kind of cousins or cool siblings that I was, you know, listening to their yeah. music that they'd introduced me to. This was one that was kind of just mine. Um, and it was, again, like, I think I was 12 or 13 or something. So it was those real formative years when you're, you find your own thing. And it was it was Doolittle by the Pixies. Um, that album and that just blew my mind because it was so completely different to anything else that I'd heard before that um, I mean I was into The Cure and I was into kind of you know I suppose um, like lots of other kind of music like it but this just seemed groundbreaking and it was kind of and like just the energy in it it was kind of punkish and raw and um, I suppose you could now call it the precursor to kind of grunge and the, everything that followed it but it was just a great album and it was an album from beginning to, there was a story you know from the start to the end which I don't think happens as much now. Indeed, let's hear a little bit of Debaser. Yeah, what a grow! 
Pixies debaser from Doolittle. Do you still listen to that, Mo? Yeah, I mean, I would. I'd, I'd kind of, you know, I have, I have stuff on vinyl, so it's the, it's the kind of album you'd stick on on vinyl and just kind of, you know, reminisce. But it was just it was such a seminal album, you know. It was just, just brilliant. And I remember I went, I saw them in the SFX, and I was so young. My mom got me in. My mom knew somebody on the door. And she smuggled me in. <laughs> she was so cool. Good for her. But, uh, yeah, totally, totally. It was amazing. It was amazing. Now, you also had so many choices. When we asked you for a favourite band or singer, we'll get to the one that you chose. <laughs> but give us some of the examples of those that you contemplated. Oh, you know, like, again, being a DJ, this is like DJs can't answer these questions. And, you know, I think that's interesting as well. It's probably why I stuck to the more sort of classical realm of kind of rock and Indian stuff, because dance music is just it changes so constantly. And as a DJ, your job is really to just play new music constantly. So, um, I OK, so I guess I mean, in the mix, I'd have I mean, I think Bjork is amazing, I think, just as an artist and then just all her her actual um, like her, her production and her stage production, everything that goes with her is just amazing. I think Radiohead are, are an amazing band and um, I think the Doors are an amazing band. But I think I kind of went to I took this question. If you had to listen to one band only for the rest of your life, if you could only listen to one, you know, one band, one voice. And I ended up going with Rolling Stones. Um, Why so? Because I just think I just think they're kind of timeless. Like it's just well to me anyway. I can listen to them. And like as a DJ, you listen to music until you're absolutely sick of it because you're playing <laughs> you're playing a track if it's popular. You're going to play it. You're going to hear it a million times. And just I never really get sick of them. It's always it always sort of emotes a fresh emotion with me when I hear them. And I kind of I still I just think there's a coolness and a kind of a timelessness and. It just speaks to every generation as well, like, you know, great bands do, I think. Um, so, yeah, I just think, I just think, yeah, I think the Rolling Stones be the Stones this week okay. anyway. That's what I think. <laughs> right. Well, the track that we have would be my own personal Rolling Stones favourite, Sympathy for the Devil. Nineteen sixty-eight, the Rolling Stones, "Sympathy for the Devil," and you sound like somebody who's been to many, many gigs over the years. So again, this must be a hard question to throw at you. Best music gig you've ever attended? You've gone for a yes. pretty recent one, apparently. I did. I did. I went again because I had to narrow it down. I thought, okay, I'll go for one, and um, that was kind of more recently. But it was uh, Robert Plant. And it was in an open air amphitheater in uh, in Taramina in Sicily. So it was just amazing. And he was brilliant. It was his it was he and his um, I think his world music band 
Um, but they just played all the classic Zeppelin hits, and it was just amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was amazing because I've seen them before, and they didn't do the really classic Zeppelin stuff. Like they just did, um, you know, kind of a lot of their own stuff. But for some reason, this gig they just did, and everybody went mental. It was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing, and he sounded amazing. Like his voice just was fantastic, you know. So yeah, that he was is a an real incredible performer. Certainly yeah. was an incredible performer. Uh, we don't have anything from uh, Sicily for you, but we do have Robert Plant <laughs> performing a version of A Whole Lot of Love at the BBC Radio 6 Music Live Festival. What a voice and what a stage presence as well, Mo. Absolutely. So cool. Mo Kelly, the DJ and artist, is with us for the Culture Club today. You can try and find and identify and buy one of her pieces of art at the incognito.ie auction on behalf of the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation. Go to the website, you'll find her work there and loads of others, about a thousand artists this year, raising money for what is an absolutely terrific and important charity. But let's go, Mo, to your other choices uh, away from the music, which is clearly such a major thing for you. Uh, we asked you to nominate a movie, and yet again, this was a big <laughs> problem to find just one movie what? for you. I know. I also love the movies. Um, I yeah, okay. I guess I'll give you my reason, I suppose, for picking this. Um, uh, just Alien and the subsequent kind of Alien franchise and movies. Um, I think just the, like first of all, the the HR Geigers. Um, artwork and that kind of weirdly organic and almost kind of biomechanical weird set design uh, was just so stunning and so completely different and original and just the whole vibe of the film it's just such an atmospheric kind of a creepy you know it is it is kind of like a horror horror in space in space now we're gonna hear you scream um but it, and, and of course as well the part of Ripley was originally written for male uh, leading role and then they they cast Sigourney Weaver obviously and the rest is history so it it was it was genre changing even though I I it, there's probably elements of it that wouldn't stand up today um but it it really did sort of change things for for action heroes for female action heroes I guess um and it's just wonderfully creepy I just and I love sci-fi so okay that well, that's Andy, we will give you you have a few others you nominate so I take do. us through them I do. Um, I also, uh, The Shining would be another one. I again, I suppose it's kind of slightly horror on the sort of horror tip. Um, and I, you know, because I, I used to 
absolutely devour Stephen King as a kid as well. Um, his books, and I knew that he he hates this version. Um, he just hated the way Wendy was depicted. Um, and he basically said that Wendy was one of the most misogynistic characters ever put to film. So uh, he, you know, he wasn't a fan of it. But I just think it, it's just immensely creepy and it just kind of has a weird energy all of its own. And the, the soundtrack is amazing as well. Um, and it's just really it's a really kind of clever, spooky film. And you can't you can actually. And again, it's a movie that you can watch again and again and it'll still freak you out. You know, even well, we you actually know have a, We have a scene from The Shining in which Wendy interrupts oh, Jack while he's writing. Get a lot written today? Yes. Hey, weather forecast said it's going to snow tonight. What do you want me to do about it? Oh, come on, hon. Don't be so grouchy. I'm not being grouchy. I just want to finish my work. Okay, I understand. I'll come back later on with a couple of sandwiches for you, and maybe you'll let me read something then. Wendy, <clears throat> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? Yeah. Fine. And we're going to make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing. Whether you don't hear me typing, what the f*** you hear me doing in here when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. Now, do you think you can handle that? Yeah. Fine. Why don't you start right now and get the f*** out of here? Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duval. <laughs> Your other selections, please, Mo. Um, my other one, my kind of dumb selection would be Point Break. And, you know, hear me out. I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Point Break, but it was Catherine Bigelow, director. Um, as we know, she went on to to really great things. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, I watched it first as a really impressionable kid and just thought it was the coolest thing ever. But it's just, and I can, I, I know the whole movie from start to finish, but uh, I can quote it. But it's just a great kind of romp, I suppose. So that's my guilty. That's my guilty favorite movie. Um, yeah, and I then you to get a Coen Brothers movie in as well. Yeah, yeah. To tie my list together, um, The Big Lebowski. Absolutely. Again, a movie I could just watch and laugh at. You know, every single time it gets me. Every time it's just such a classic. And again, like it's masterfully edited, directed. It's obviously the Coen Brothers, so it's got it's got humor and art and everything in there. It's just and brilliant performances, of course. It's yeah, it's a great one. Indeed, it does. Watched it myself only a couple of months ago again recently. Now, favourite play, theatre show, musical. You've gone definitely up market for us. I've gone, I've gone opera. I have. Uh, I Yeah, I love opera. And I, I guess just because, again, it's just such a show, you know, it's it's um, it just kind of has everything, obviously, stage design, set design. And my favourite opera was, um, again, uh, was Carmen in the Festival de Verona. So there's a big opera festival in Verona back when you could travel. Um, and uh, interestingly, I think all the things I've picked are things that you could, you know, things where I travelled places. So can't, I think we're all dying to get back out there. Um, but it's just fabulous. It's, again, it's an open air amphitheatre. Um, and there's a piazza kind of around it. I think it's called the Piazza dell'Opera and it stays open till like four o'clock in the morning because the operas are long. <laughs> um, and it's just such a buzz. Like even afterwards, it's like this kind of open air nightclub outside because all the actors 
come into the restaurants and everybody stays up all night essentially so um yeah it was amazing so i think as a dj that really appealed to me i was like this is like clubbing but for opera fans <laughs> okay <laughs> well we don't have it from verona but we do have maria calle performing habanera from bizet's oh, carmen in hamburg in 1962 Calais. Okay, let's go to television because we asked, like the first single, a TV show from your childhood. And you're the first person to pick what was a really seminal series for many people in the 1980s, Moonlighting. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was just, it was so funny. Like it was a really, really, the dialogue was brilliant. It was kind of like an old you know, Spencer Tracy movie, you know, it was these kind of wise guy cracks and it was just really fun. I remember just loving it. Um, and of Bruce course, Willis, Bruce of course, Willis like, and Sybil Shepherd doing this, yes. sort of, as you say, Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn type thing for yes, television. Yes, yeah, exactly. It was just really, really fun, and there was loads of music in it. Do you remember, you played in a in a blues band, I think, um, and it would go to kind of there'd be segments where you'd have a gig, and they'd you know they would like burst into song. It was just brilliant. <laughs> okay, let's hear a scene from the series in which Bruce Willis's character David Addison and uh, the Sybil Shepherd character Maddie Hayes are looking for a man with a mole in his nose. Name, please. David Addison. Madeline Hayes. I'm sorry, but you're not on the guest list. That's because we're not guests. We're looking for a man with a mole on his nose. Mole on his nose? A mole on his nose. What kind of clothes? What kind of clothes? What kind of clothes do you suppose? What kind of clothes do I suppose would be worn by a man with a mole on his nose? Who knows? Did I happen to mention that I bothered to disclose this man that we're seeking with a mole on his nose? I'm not sure of his clothes or anything else, except he's Chinese. A big clue by itself. How do you do that? Got to read a lot of Dr. Seuss. I'm sorry to say, I'm sad to report, I haven't seen anyone at all of that sort. Not a man who's Chinese with a mole on his nose with some kind of clothes that you can't suppose. So get away from this door and get out of this place or I'll have to hurt you. Put my foot in your face. Oh, time to go. Time to go. Oh, that's so good, isn't it? (laughs) Also Dr. Seuss fan, actually. Yeah, I from reading to my kids, I can sort of recognize the pattern very much. Okay, now you're the second person in the week, uh, and many more have done so in the Culture Club recently, to nominate The Sopranos as your mm. favorite uh, TV viewing as an adult. Why so? Oh, it's just, it was just a seminal, I mean, it changed everything really, didn't it? 
Uh, I mean, it's kind of Shakespearean in its reach and it's, you know, and I've actually been watching it again. I think like a lot of people have been kind of rewatching these things. And initially I thought oh, it probably won't stand up or, you know, when you go back to watch something, it's kind of not really as good, but it absolutely stands up. And um, it's, you know, even just the editing in it, it was just so classically done. And obviously the acting is just amazing. And the way it sort of it lures you in because it's kind of funny and humorous. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, kind of dastardly things happen. But it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. So I think that kind of changed everything uh, with HBO, especially. And then, of course, we went on kind of The Wire and, you know, all kind of amazing um, kind of almost movies for TV. I suppose that was the first one that that kind of heralded it. But it's just so good. It gives us another excuse to play a bit of Sopranos with the <laughs> obligatory language warning. Because in this scene, Tony spots a, man, spots a man in a restaurant wearing a baseball cap and intimidates him into taking it off. Oh, this fucking Svachim over here. We're in a cap in a nice restaurant like this. That's one of the things I hated most when I had my restaurant. It's values today. Standards are crumbling. I would have killed his coach to stick around until my kid graduates. Then let him stay four years for Chiara. <laughs> right. That burns my ass. Where are you going? <laughs> Take your hat off. Excuse me? They don't sell hot dogs here. They took the bleachers out two years ago. It's my hat. I'll wear it where I want. <laughs> Thank you. Look at him. Douchebag. Good for you. Send him a bottle of Mota Pulciano and uh, get the license plate of these two guys sitting behind Artie. Get the valet to do it. They look like cops. Ah, oh, the menace in that is wonderful. <laughs> Mo, I just need to finish off by asking you a little bit about books because I believe you read an awful lot, which comes as no surprise. <laughs> well, Dr. Seuss, <laughs> the first one. Um, yeah, I do. I always have a book with me. Um, so I guess favorite authors in would be um, Oliver, like I love Oliver Sacks. Um, I love uh, David Mitchell, Colin McCann. Um, but and I, and I do. I often take inspiration for paintings. That, a lot of the times they come out from from books and from characters that I've read. Um, and a recent one where that happened was a, a, a book called Wolf Winter by Cecilia Erbach. And it was one of those kind of Scandi noir kind of dark and uh, Nordic um, kind of writing set in like the winter of 1717. Um, and it was just really, really descriptive. And it was all kind of set around. There was a particular kind of structure, a barn. Um, and I ended up going back and painting that kind of a number of times. So it's I, and I kind of love when that happens because it's. It's something that, you you know, when you read a book and it's so descriptive and it's so immersive and you feel you've been there. And then it's it's, you know, it's kind of it's interesting to be able to then kind of make a visual representation of that. Um, so, yeah, so books would be a, a major, major point of influence for 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 my artwork. You've had some great recommendations for us. There some great stories behind it. Mo Kelly, thank you so much for joining us here on the Culture Club on the last Pleasure, word in TFM. And of course, Mo's work and those of so many other artists, the Incognito online art sale, incognito.ie, where the funds been raised for the so important Jack and Jill Children's Foundation. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM.